Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. I love being part of a church that believes in sowing seed into ministry outside of our church. That it's not just about us, it's about um, God's kingdom as well. Um, Okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tear up. Guests, if you're a guest today, I want to say thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for being here today. Um, it is great to have you with us, and uh, thank you for making time to be with us today. If you are a guest, there's a guest card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take that out, fill it out, and then drop it off at our uh, cafe following the service. Just let us know you're here. We'd love to connect with you, answer any questions you have. If you've been coming to the summit for a while, but you just have just never filled out one of our guest cards, feel free to fill that out and stop by there. You don't have to be a first timer. But if you've never filled one of those out, we would love to get to know you as well or, uh, or get your information if you've been coming here for six or eight months. I had somebody fill one out last week that uh, yeah, there's a question that says, do you have a home church? And they said, yes, here, I've been coming here for seven months. It was like, wow, they finally decided, okay, I guess I've seen enough. I guess I'll stick around and filled out the guest card. So uh, please fill out the guest card. Let us know you're here. We'd love for you to... Uh, to just get to know us a little bit better and get to know you. Also want to remind you, tonight is our concert at the park. We're going to be having a worship out at Memorial Park, and we would love for you to join us. And you're sitting here going, Mel, it's supposed to rain. And, and I'm telling you, we pray that it's not going to, so it won't. Um, so join us tonight for a concert at the park. We're just going to have a night of worship out there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, if you live down in that area, just walk over, walk your dog over, come be a part. Um, it'll be real relaxed and laid back. We're going to be in We'll be in shorts and t-shirts, so just be prepared for that. Um, so come hang out with us. That'll start at 5.30. If you're not sure where Memorial Park is, it's uh, like 6th and Washington or, uh, is probably the easiest way to say that. It's at that corner there just south of the, uh, just south of the um, Historic Society here in Indiana. So stop by today at 5.30. We'll be done by 7-ish, but come on by. We'd love to have you. Also want to remind you, our back to school, the Back to School Bash for Indiana County is coming up, and we're growing number of supplies up here on the stage. I love seeing that. It is not too late to help with that, so please stop by this week. Uh, stop by Walmart, pick up some school supplies. The, the list that we need is on our website. It's also back in the Info Center. Uh, pick some up this week, bring them by. Next Sunday is when we have to have them. So if you bring them next Wednesday, a week from Wednesday, it's not going to be good. We, we have to have those turned in and taken over. So help us out. This is the last week you can do that. So please bring those next Sunday. And I would love to celebrate how many lives are going to be impacted by these backpacks. So bring your supplies next Sunday. Uh, today we're finishing up a series called Guardrails. And it's kind of a mini series inside of our bigger series. We're looking at uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount uh, the whole summer, basically, and we're finishing up this portion from Matthew chapter 5 today, and, and so I'm excited about this because this has been a really good series. Last week, we had Kyle Hammond here from Adventure Church in Columbus, Ohio, did an incredible job, and as a matter of fact, while he was here last week, we had one of our members that normally is here was in a, at Adventure Church in Columbus. They were in Columbus for some work and decided to go visit the church, so we, we did, a, we did a, a swap last week. It was an exchange program. Um, but we're, we're excited about what God is doing here and what God has been speaking through this sermon and through this sermon series. So if you want to, you can flip over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 38. 
But the premise of this series is that when you're driving down the highway, the guardrails on the road prevent us from getting into dangerous areas. They're set up in areas of safety to prevent us from getting in areas of danger. And typically, if somebody hits a guardrail, it's unintentional. Maybe you would do it intentionally, I can't imagine why, but that guardrail is there to help you when you're not paying attention, when you are zoned out, when you are texting with both hands while you're putting on your makeup and eating your sandwich, right? Like that's what the guardrail's for, is to prevent you from being stupid and getting into the ditch. Uh, And in the same way, I think God wants us to put guardrails up in our lives to prevent us from being stupid and getting in the ditch. Because many times uh, we get ourselves into trouble and then ask God to save us from our own stupidity. I know, I say we, you guys don't do that. I do that all the time. None of you do that. You're too wise and too spiritual and too pious for that. But I do that. I get myself into trouble and I go, okay, God, I need your help. But if I'd had good guardrails up, I would have never gotten into trouble in the first place. Um. I had somebody tell me this last week. They said, uh, you know, now every time I run over one of those rumble strips, I think about you. And I was like, hey, praise God. Like, all right. At least somebody's thinking about me. That's perfect. Um, but really, this series is all about our hearts. Because when Jesus starts talking to the, the group of believers and these, this group of followers, all these people that were around him in Matthew 5, He's not talking about actions. He's really talking about our hearts because he goes through the series of statements and says, you've heard it said. And what he's talking about is, you know, from the Old Testament or what teachers from the Old Testament have told us. And he, so he, he makes these statements like, you've heard it said this, but I say this. And so he's, he's taking scripture and in some ways he's making it way more difficult. He's making it way more challenging because he's taking it from simply being action and what we do to to being about our heart and what's residing in our heart. And so what we have to understand is the guardrails begin in our heart. It begins with our thinking. It begins um, with us personally. It's not just necessarily some external set of, of, of guardrails for our lives. It's something that begins right here. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The heart is so important, not just our physical heart, but what is residing in the core of our being. It directs and it dictates who we are, who we become, what we love, what we value. And so God says, you have to guard your heart. Be careful. And this is why Jesus says, hey, it's not just about what you do. It's about what resides in your heart. So this is what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard it said, uh, it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And we can get excited about that, right? Like when we're wronged, we're like, that's right. Let's get some, let's get this evened out. We like it, don't we? Hey, they, they hurt me. I deserve some payback. And this is illustrated perfectly. I've got daughters in my house. And so um, there's never, it never happens where one of them will come to me and go, Daddy, Abby hit me. And that's it. That's where the story ends, Dad. She hit me, and that's all. No, it happens like this. Someone will say, um, typically what happens is I will hear a scream, a shriek from the other room, a squeal, and it's not a squeal of delight. It's like, ah, what is going on? I told you. And they'll come in all sheepish. What happened? Well, Abby hit me. Well, she hit me first. Well, you called me stupid. Well, you, and it goes back and forth, right? And it all happened because one person did one thing. And I might embarrass my daughter today, I'm sorry. But one person said one thing. You shouldn't do that. And the other person, you can't make me, whack, right? And all of a sudden, things begin to escalate. And before you know it, it's out of control. And this is, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, that seems right, doesn't it, that we should do that. You do me wrong, I'm gonna do you wrong. You, you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you. 
And that seems natural to us. But Jesus is saying, but that's not the case. He said, that's what you've heard should be happening, but that's not the case at all. Matthew 5.39, he goes on to say, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other cheek. Now we hear this, and a lot of times we go, well, but that's great in theory, right? I would like to be that way, but come on, let's be real. If somebody attacks me, I'm going to attack them. Like we are the most, uh, we the, have the most gun owners in the state of Pennsylvania than any other state in the union, okay? And, and you can be discouraged or excited about that, I don't know. But we have a lot of people that carry guns with them all the time. And if you're not careful, it's real easy to go, hey, we deserve it, Right? An eye for an eye. I'm not going to turn the other cheek. Somebody comes against me. What am I going to do? They come in my house. I'm putting them down, right? And so sometimes we hear this verse and we go, well, so I'm supposed to let them come in my house and steal my stuff and hurt my family? And no, that's not what we're supposed to do. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, just lay down and let people hurt you, let people run over you. What this is really talking about, it's not talking about physical damage and physical harm. When you look at this in context, when Jesus talks about um, slaps you on the right cheek, typically what this was was when someone would backhand you. So they would backhand you and hit you across the right cheek. Now, this was not a physical assault. This was more an insult than anything else. This is more someone saying, you sissy, you're worthless, right? This was more uh, almost a verbal assault more than it was a physical assault. And what it did, it wasn't attacking the person's physical state. It was attacking their pride more than anything else. And so what Jesus was saying here was when your pride is attacked, when someone insults you, when someone calls you worthless, when someone says that your team is not as good as their team. And I experienced that this last week when the Cardinals were getting beat by the Pirates like three games out of four. There were plenty of people talking trash. It's funny, I haven't heard any trash in the last couple of days. The Cardinals are winning some more. Okay, so I'm just throwing that out there. I wasn't hurt. A little, I was a little hurt. Okay. Right, but when people attack us, what do we want to do? We want to attack back. And man, I've told you before, my spiritual gift is sarcasm. And I, I'm quick to jump on somebody. When they say something, man, I'm gonna, I'm, I will jump on that. I will hurt you if I'm not careful. And I've done it. And so when somebody attacks me verbally, my first response is when to attack back. My wife was telling me a story. She said, she was at the checkout line. And this, this girl in the checkout line kind of, she was, she was, working at the store. She kind of attacked my wife and you can't do this. And my wife has told me the story. I said, that's crazy. And I said, I'm so lucky I wasn't there because I know what would have happened. She would have started and then I would have, number one, checked to see if I was wearing a summit shirt. <laughs> and then I would have let her have it. <laughs> uh, I'm a fool, but I'm not a total fool. Okay. Why? Because she has no right. We deserve to get back, right? We have this idea that we deserve something better. And, and what we have to do is lay that down. We have to say, you know what? My pride is not that big a deal. I can afford to let my pride be hurt. I have to give this person the benefit of the doubt and go, you know what? I don't know what's going on in their life. But if they feel so concerned about what's going on here and they have to attack me, then you know what? I'm not going to defend myself. In fact, you know what it says in the Old Testament? God said, hey, Israelites, you don't have to defend yourself. I'm going to defend you. Vengeance is mine, right? So just remind yourself of that scripture once in a while. It'll make it easier for you not to retaliate. Just go, okay, you know what? I don't have to worry about this because the battle isn't mine. The battle is God's. And this is an endorsement on abuse. If you're in an abusive relationship, you're not supposed to just turn the other cheek. What you're supposed to do is defend yourself. 
People are like, well, this makes me a little uncomfortable. I promise you, Jesus wasn't saying, hey, let yourself get beat up in an abusive marriage. That's what you're supposed to do. That's part of being submissive. No, 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 no. That's not what this is saying at all. This is saying you, you protect yourself, but you, you don't resist. You don't fight back out of pride. Does that make sense? Because pride gets us into trouble. And Jesus says you need to set that aside. When, when you get slapped on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Let your pride be hurt. There's nothing wrong with your pride being hurt. We could probably use or allow our pride to be hurt a little bit more and it'd be okay for us. <laughs> Lord knows I could have my pride knocked down a little bit and be okay. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 40, he says, And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And we've got a few attorneys in our church, and I'm sure that this is their life verse now. They're like, yes, I'm getting that tattooed on my arm, right? I'm sorry, judge. And they just pull up their arm. They're like, right here, Matthew 5, 40. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Has everybody ever heard you go the extra mile? And this is what it's talking about. Uh, it's a reference to this passage of scripture. What, what Jesus is saying here is he's trying to paint this picture of this extravagant, over-the-top, extraordinary love that we should have for the world. He's trying to paint a picture that says, you know what? Um, anybody can do certain things, but if you're called and you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, it's going to look dramatically different than everyone else. And that's what he's trying to say. That's what he's trying to communicate. He goes on in Matthew 5, 42. It says, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And again, he's saying, love so extravagantly the world notices. See, for some of us, we follow Christ, but, but the biggest difference in our life and our behavior after we become a follower of Christ is that now our Sundays aren't as free anymore. It, it simply dictates where we show up on Sunday morning. It doesn't change any of our other behavior. It doesn't change what we love. It doesn't change what we value. It doesn't change our actions. It doesn't change our mindset. It just changes where we show up at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. And if that is the only change that's occurring in your life, if that's the only fruit in your life, I would say I don't know that there's been a real change. If it's simply church attendance, Jesus is saying it has to be bigger than that. It has to be more than that. And I really believe he's saying live so differently that the people recognize the difference. I've told you before, I think it's a cop-out when people say things like, well, my life is a sermon. I'm going to let my life preach a message. But the problem is most of our lives are preaching the wrong message. Most of us, our lives are preaching the message. Show up to church and be morally right and you'll be okay. See, our lives need to be preaching the message that we love so radically and so differently than the world that you would be crazy not to be doing what we're doing. Amen. That you would be insane to live your life according to the world's standards and according, instead of according to God's standards. Because that's really what Jesus is doing. When Jesus says, um, you've heard it said, and then transitions out, what he's saying is, hey, um, the Old Testament says one thing, and then biblical scholars have interpreted that and what he's, what he's contradicting isn't scripture. What he's contradicting is interpretation of scripture. Does that make sense? He's saying scripture's not wrong, but the interpretation of scripture, it, it binds us into law and it dictates that actions are important, but your heart is fine, whatever, who cares? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It is all about your heart because it starts there and flows out. So if, if you don't love your neighbor, that tells me what's in your heart. If you hang on to bitterness, that's what's in your heart. If you show up to church on Sunday morning, but you live like the devil the other six days of the week, 
that's what's in your heart. And he says your heart has to change. Because when your heart truly changes, everything else changes. Matthew 5.43 goes on to say this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now again, I want to say this. Nowhere in Old Testament scripture does it say to hate your enemy, okay? Just for the record, God never says to hate your enemy, all right? Just put that to rest. What Jesus, again, was saying is, you've heard it taught this way, that you should hate your enemy. But he, he flips that and he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And it identifies one portion of who your enemy is in, in verse 44 there where he says, where he says uh, and pray for those who persecute you. And, and let's be honest, don't you have people that persecute you in your life? I do, <laughs> right? I'm not naming names this morning, but don't you have people that oppose you? You were waiting for that, weren't you? You're like, okay, who is this? Am I on this list, Mel? But think about it. Don't you have people that are in opposition to you? That no matter what you do, they're gonna be critical of you? Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a family member. And no matter what you do, it's never good enough. No matter what kind of changes you try to make in your life, they're not gonna be supportive of it. There's opposition and you know what Jesus says? He says, you know what tradition says? That you love the people that love you, and you just say, forget about those people that hate me. I don't care about them. In fact, you know, I'm going to stick it to them, and I deserve better than that, right? And Jesus says, that's not the way it should be. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So what he's saying here is, it's not that when we adjust our actions, when we begin loving those who hate us or praying for those who persecute us, that's not what qualifies us for heaven. When it says, so that you may be, uh, so that you may be sons of your Father, it's not saying if you fix this action in your life, then you'll be qualified to be a son of God. That's not what he's saying at all. He's actually saying that when we allow that to happen in our lives and we begin praying for those who persecute us and we begin to love those who hate us, that is fruit or evidence that we are sons and daughters of God. Does that make sense? So, so that we have this encounter with Jesus and we go, God, I want to give you my life. I want everything to be changed. And he begins to work on us and begins to, to change our hearts and shift our values and do all the hard work in us that we can't do on our own. And all of a sudden, we begin to act differently. We begin to respond differently. When your boss at work, he just drops the hammer on you for something, you feel like it was totally unfair. You don't pop off or you don't let him have it. You, you, you realize I'm responding differently. And the reason you're responding differently is because your heart is being changed by the Holy Spirit. It's fruit of what God is doing. It says, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain to the just and the unjust. What he's saying is, if God can show grace to people who are totally ungodly and don't love God at all, he, he sends rain not just on your house because you're righteous and the neighbor next to you is like, man, I wish I got some of that rain. You're like, well, if you love God, if God loved you as much as he loves me, Right? That's not how it works. It rains because God shows his grace to us all, even when we don't deserve it. And what this is saying is, if God can do that, we're supposed to reflect the heart of God for our world. And if God can show grace to people who don't deserve it, not just the world, but to us, how much more should we reflect that as well? If we want to be children of God. Because again, one of the things I love about my kids, I think I love it and I hate it, is that they resemble me. And I keep telling people, people say, oh, this, this child looks just like you. And I go, well, she'll grow out of it someday. I pro I'm praying that, right? Like, 
Uh, she'll, she'll, she'll get bigger, she'll be get better looking, I promise. But no, my girls are beautiful, and I, they're gorgeous. And all the things that are beautiful about them, I think, come from my wife. But the thing about kids is they resemble us. Physically, emotionally, and their habits, and some of their, their hiccups, and the little things they do that you go, where did they get that? Oh, they got that from me. That's right. I'm weird like that, too. That's right. Right? And that's one of the beautiful things about, about our kids. That's one of the things that endears us to them. But one of the problems is that as children of God, sometimes we don't reflect our Father. We don't look very much like him sometimes. And if we want to reflect his glory to the world, we have to begin to be conformed into the image of our Heavenly Father. Verse 46 says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than the others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Jesus is saying, wait, you're only going to love the people that love you? He said, the world does that. The standard of the world is you love people that love you. He said, in fact, we hear in Scripture, you hear about tax collectors, but tax collectors were like the lowest of the low in Jewish society. And the reason was they were Jewish citizens that were on the Roman payroll. So they were, they were uh, representatives of the Roman government who taxed Israelites. And they didn't just tax the Israelites, they, they extorted the Israelites. They would, they would um, put them in a bad position. They were trying to steal money from their people their own flesh and blood. And as a result, they were the lowest of the low. So Israelites would look at tax collectors and be like, man, that person is scum, right? And that's why Jesus got so much criticism for hanging out with tax collectors. He's like, why would you hang out with that scum? Tax collectors and prostitutes? Because they were viewed in very bad ways. And Jesus says, now listen, even tax collectors, even the people you would qualify as the worst of the worst, love the people that love them. That's easy. He said, you know what's hard? Again, he's raising the standard. He said, love those who hate you. This is, this is a tough statement. It doesn't mean be indifferent to those who hate you. It doesn't mean ignore those who hate you. One of my favorite things on Facebook is the unfollow button. Have you ever done that? It's liberating. When you see somebody saying stupid things or crazy things or hateful things on Facebook, you just go, boop, unfollow. And you're like, oh, it's like they don't even exist anymore on Facebook. That's like, oh, it feels so much better now. But all you're doing is ignoring them. And sometimes we do that in our lives. We just go, you know what, I'm just going to ignore the people around me. Yeah, they're crazy and they're hateful, but I'm going to ignore them. And we think we're doing a good job, but God doesn't call us to ignore those who are evil. He calls us to love them. And that's hard. This is hard work. He said, the tax collectors, the lowest of the low can love those who love them. You gotta love those who hate you. That's, that's what reflecting the love of Christ is really all about. Then he goes on, this last verse, Matthew 5, 48. He says, he says this. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And this is, even for us today, we look at that and we go, how? Like, how could I? I can't. Like, I, I woke up, and 10 seconds in after my, like, after I woke up, 10 seconds into my day, I was already imperfect, right? I had one conversation with my wife, perfection done. Like, it was gone. 
No chance. On the drive here, right? You're, put your clothes back on. Take your diaper off of the, and put it on your brother, right? Like all that kind of stuff. Like you're freaking out. Perfection is gone. It doesn't exist. So we look at this verse and go, how can we be perfect like God is perfect? It's impossible. It's, it's a Herculean task. And so we look at it and we go, what's the hope? We can't even do it. And the truth is we can't. It kind of goes back to the same thought back in Matthew 5.20 when Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of the same thought because our perfection doesn't rest on us. Aren't you thankful for that? (laughs) That God doesn't look at us and go, well, if he would just get perfect, I could let him into heaven. I could have a relationship with him. He could be called my son or daughter, right? He doesn't do that. We, we take on the perfection of God, on the perfection of Christ. And we're covered under that. And I'm thankful for that. And the truth is, it's not about our actions, because our actions follow our hearts. If our heart is right before God, our actions will follow behind it. The, the, the 600 plus laws that, that Scripture talks about in the Old Testament, those are all valid and they're all important and, and they're valuable But at the end of the day, if our heart is right, I don't have to worry about all the laws. I don't have to worry about all the thou shalt and all the thou shalt nots because my heart will be right before God. If I seek to please God with my whole life, if I seek to pursue God with my whole life, I'm gonna mess up, I'm gonna make mistakes, I'm not gonna be perfect, but what happens is I take on his perfection. And that is what God is asking us to do today. That is what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about our hearts. And the question for you today is, what is the condition of your heart? Where are you at? Maybe you're here and... and you think, I'm so far from perfection, it's ridiculous. That's okay. Guess what? I'm so far from perfection, it's ridiculous. And they let me preach up here every Sunday, right? (laughs) I'm tricking you people. None of us are perfect. All of us are a mess. We all are in desperate need of a Savior. Maybe you're here today and you think you got everything together. But the truth is, maybe you struggle in a couple areas. Maybe you're that person that, that you don't have guardrails on your thoughts on your anger, on your response. Maybe you're like me, and when somebody kind of riles up your pride a little bit, you're quick to respond. Maybe you let your pride get in the way. I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what your circumstances are. But the good news is God doesn't ask you to fix you. He just asks you to submit yourself to the one who can fix you. Because I can't fix myself. Only God can. So if you're here today, maybe you've gotten yourself into trouble. Maybe you're like me and you've done some stupid things and gotten yourself into a place that you need bailed out from. God's here. He wants to redeem you. He wants to help you. And this is the thing. We have to be aware of what our weaknesses are and where our danger zones are and begin to construct guardrails in our life. We can't just ask God to bail us out every time we get into trouble. We have to begin to say, okay, God, I'm gonna put some some things up in my life. I'm gonna guard my heart so when I know I'm beginning to stray into dangerous area, there's gonna be a check in my spirit and I'm gonna hit those rumble strips and there's something in me that's gonna go, nope, I can't think that way. I can't act that way. I can't say that. There's gonna be some guardrails. But the good news is God can redeem you no matter what you've done or what you've been through. God can redeem you today. God's got a purpose and a plan for every one of you here. No matter how far you have strayed, no matter what you have done, God has a purpose for you. That's pretty incredible. You know, I love that Jesus hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors. I'm not suggesting to any of you that you need to go hang out with prostitutes and tax collectors. But what I'm saying is Jesus had a heart for all people. No matter who they were, how much baggage they had, Jesus said, I'm, I'm gonna love on them. 
They're, they're worth loving. I love that. Because at the end of the day, that's what this thing is all about. Us being submitted to God and our hearts being right before him and being able to love our world in a way that reflects the love of God to them really well. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.